Good news. My new book is finally here. It's called Handbook for the Heartbroken, A Woman's Path from Devastation to Rebirth, and you can order it now wherever books are sold. I wrote this book after the five-year span between 2016 and 2020 when I experienced serial heartbreaks that rocked literally every area of my life, my health, relationships, money, career, social status, and even my very sense of self. And along the way, I really got to experience firsthand how dysfunctional our culture's relationship is to loss. I saw how we live in a heartbreak illiterate world that's obsessed with success and shackled with isolation and ignorant of how valuable our suffering can be for our growth and our evolution, not only as individuals, but also as a collective. So this book expands the conversation around loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we definitely cover those too, in order to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. So whether you're experiencing hardship now or know you have past hurts that are holding you back in certain ways and still need healing, this book is here to support you. It's also a great book to gift to clients, family members, friends, just other women in your world who are going through a challenging time. It will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. So within the loving pages of this book, you will have full permission to fall apart and slowly, organically find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. It was not a joy to live this journey, but it really was a joy to write it. And you can find it again wherever books are sold and the audio version of the book is available as well. If you would like some gifts to accompany you on your heartbreak journey, you can get those at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. Those are free. Whenever you order books, you can just send in your invoice or your receipt and we'll send you those accompanying gifts. Enjoy. Hello, beautiful women. Welcome to She Talks, a space to come home to your inner wisdom, which I call your she. I'm Sarah Von Stover, teacher of feminine spirituality and empowerment, best-selling author, and founder of The Way of the Happy Woman. I created this podcast to offer wisdom teachings, or Dharma talks as they're known in the Buddhist tradition, through the distinct lens and voice of the sacred feminine. Because I believe that when a woman gets still and quiet enough to hear the voice of the divine within her, she can finally live true to herself and, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Throughout the month of January, I'm offering a special mini-series here on the podcast called Disrupting the Divine Feminine. It includes five cutting-edge talks, each offering usually unconsidered and sometimes controversial perspectives to shine a provocative light on the rise of the feminine that we're witnessing so much of in the world right now. And all of these talks are born from the intimate, ongoing relationship I have with my own she. Plus, I created this series in celebration of the opening of the She School, a nine-month spiritual leadership and lifestyle immersion that I've been leading for the past seven years to now thousands of women around the world. 
The She School promises to connect you to your feminine spiritual power or your she, so you can birth the life you love and live it powerfully in 2018. It's a sacred space for us to explore in depth the topics that I share on this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about this year's She School journey, head on over to theshe-school.com. Now, my dears, it's time to circle up. Let's huddle together around the crackling bonfire of the wild, awake she. Welcome to Disrupting the Divine Feminine. Welcome home. Last night I watched the Golden Globe Awards and was really inspired to see all the men and women and even children in attendance wearing black in support of the Me Too movement and really felt to be the biggest celebrity event that I've ever seen or known of to bring a new level of consciousness and inclusion. And I feel that the celebrity realm really signifies the mainstream in not only the U.S., but around the world. And in these new levels of consciousness and inclusion for all genders and ethnicities, it it felt like a really big milestone and a symbol of a lot of what 2018 is going to be about. For me, and I know for many of us, the highlight of that evening was Oprah. And she really brought the Golden Globes crowd to its feet and many of us to tears. I know I was moved to tears with the really powerful speech that she gave when she stepped up as the first black woman to receive the Cecil DeMille Award for Lifetime Achievement. And if you haven't seen her speech or even read its transcript, I encourage you just to do a quick Google search and and take a look. But the first thing that I was struck by in Oprah's receiving of this award was the elegant, regal, yet also really big, booming, and confident, unapologetic energy that she radiated. She really stood on that stage and owned it in a way that no one else had previously that evening and no one else did later on in the evening. She stood up there with this huge presence and with the voice and conviction of a great preacher or orator. And she started out immediately by telling a story from her childhood of sitting on the linoleum floor in her kitchen in Milwaukee as a little girl watching the first black man receive an Academy Award. And contrasting this with her mother, who at the time was a domestic worker who came home just bone tired. And how that image of what Oprah saw on TV all those years ago woke something up in her. 
And what it woke up in her was the power of possibility. Some of the words that she spoke that really struck me the most that I want to I want to read for us here right now. She said, "What I know for sure is that speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we all have." And I'm especially proud and inspired by all the women who have felt strong enough and empowered enough to speak up and share their personal stories. So I bring up Oprah now at the start of this mini series. I wasn't expecting to do that, but I was just really struck by this last night. But I I bring her up now because she represents a living, breathing example of a new possibility for womanhood that's just now coming into the light. And this new possibility of womanhood is what this entire series is devoted to. And we're going to hold on to that thread. I'm going to draw it out more for us over the next three weeks as we move through both this episode and the four to follow. And I'm going to flesh out what I mean by that just gradually over time. Now, as I'm doing right now, true to the feminine way of moving through life in today's episode and the ones to follow in this series, I'm probably going to speak circuitously. I'm going to follow kind of round paths of logic and feeling sometimes speaking in circles rather than following straight lines, rather than taking the linear trajectory from one concept to the next. And I trust that in doing this, I will speak to the deeper dimensions within you that can draw the connections as needed, even if they're not explicitly stated as I move from one point to the next. So from Oprah, I want to take us back to a recent memory of mine, which was I attended a a silent week-long retreat, meditation retreat at a Buddhist center here in Colorado over the holidays. And this is always one of my favorite activities. I love I love Buddhist meditation. I love Buddhism. I love meditation retreats. I love silence. It really feels like home to me and always brings so much richness and ground and inspiration to my life. And I'd never been to this particular retreat center and there was something about it. There were a lot of things about it that I loved, but something in particular really stands out. And that is that they have a fireplace in the meditation hall, in the shrine room. And in this particular shrine room, they have about 10 shrines all around. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the word shrine, it's another word you could use as like altar or place of devotion And out of these 10 shrines, one of them was the fireplace. 
and this was called the Pele Shrine. And some of you might know that Pele is a Hawaiian goddess, a goddess of volcanic fire. She's a really um, transformative, fierce goddess. And this fireplace was always lit and one that was really um, nurturing during, you know, the coldest, darkest time of the year. I was there over the week of the solstice and many times we were sitting in darkness, whether that was before sunrise or after the very early sunset and that it was, it was bitter cold outside and I learned from a fellow retreatant who'd been there many times before that they use actually use different kinds of wood for different activities that happen in this practice hall. They use wood that has more crackles to it when you're doing a sitting meditation. They use a wood that has less pop and crackle when the teacher's giving a talk and They use the most lively wood, the loudest wood, when they're doing something called feast offerings. And, you know, so many of us, as we would come and go from the shrine hall and from our meditation cushions, we would just stop and stand in front of the fire and look into the flames. And this is a really, I mean, this is an activity, this is a ritual that goes back to the beginning of our human species of sitting around a fire and fire as being life-giving. It gives us warmth. It helps us to cook our food. It is a transformative element. It is the vehicle of alchemy, turning base metals into gold and turning the ordinary into the extraordinary. And the image for this podcast series, if you if you look at the the image that we've chosen for it, is a, is a fire. So I invite you, as you listen to these talks, to imagine that we're sitting around a crackling fire together, that we are revering our own Pele shrine our own altar of alchemy and transformation. So as you listen to the words, watch and feel the flames in your heart, in your mind, and ask within, what is this fire transforming in your world, in your life? So as we sit around this massive fire, I want to share some of my inspiration and intention for being this fire starter, for being this fire keeper. Over the years, I've had um, various mentors tell me that I'm a fire starter and specifically that I'm a gentle fire starter. I have this combination of gentleness and fierceness. And if you listen to the previous episode here on the podcast uh, that I published just before I went on that meditation retreat, actually, you'll know that I turned 40 in November. 
And 40 is a really big milestone. I've heard from, from many, uh, many other women and men uh, over the years. And I've heard from other women what this threshold is like. And I have, have felt that really strongly to be true about my own experience crossing this threshold that turning 40, entering the decade of my 40s is really a new era. It's bringing in a new energy of being unapologetically myself. True to what Oprah mentioned in her talk of speaking my truth no matter what. Doing what I want to do. First and foremost, I, I feel like so much of my life, in my career, in my personal life, I've, I've done what I felt other people wanted me to do and had the sense of responsibility, responsibility and obligation. And I think that a lot of the entrepreneurial world is built around that. It's built around, okay, what's, what's the need and what does your audience want and how can you give them that? But when I feel back to why I started this all in the first place, you know, it was 20 years ago and it came out of my own passion, my own passion to heal myself, my own passion to uh, really look into what, what does it mean to be a woman? How, how can I be happy given the circumstances of my body, of my environment, of this world? And I started to piece things together and to practice things and study things that made sense to me and that lit me up and you know gradually people were drawn to me for that and and I built the way the happy woman around that but somehow in the midst of that I I started to get lost in obligation a lot of the times and where I've come back to now is being who I am first and foremost and really learning the lesson that selfishness is selflessness and I know, you know, when I when I study great artists um, like Bob Dylan, for instance, I'm really inspired by Bob Dylan. It's that, you know, creating for the sake of pleasing others is really death to great art. You you have to do it for yourself. It has to come from your inspiration, from your direct relationship to source. You have to light your candle. And then others can light theirs from yours, but you can't you can't make great art by just trying to light everyone else's candle. It it, it waters things down and and it it just diminishes that that real kind of live wire connection to one's source of inspiration, which is incredibly personal, incredibly intimate. So I'm sharing this podcast series uh, after coming out of two years now, exactly two years ago, of really massive hardship. Um, those of you who've been part of this community, you you know you know pieces of that, but it's elements of betrayal and shock and kind of serial heartbreak and loss and real initiation into grief uh, that forced me to dismantle my entire life and my entire identity. So these past couple of years have been deeply, deeply internal, focused on 
surviving, to be honest, and this rebuilding process. And, you know, the first hit came two years ago, just after my second book, The Book of She, came out. So it's really been two years since I have been out in the world sharing something new, adding something to this conversation in this field that I'm deeply ensconced in, the field of women's spirituality and empowerment, the Terra of the Divine Feminine. And what I've noticed as I've kind of, you know, been on the sidelines, not kind of, I have been on the sidelines the past couple of years, you know, that's what grief does. It takes us out of the stream of life. It's very uncomfortable. That's, you know, part of its its magic, part of its gifts is it forces us to sit out and kind of take one for the team, be a vessel for bringing in something new when we step back into the stream again, which I'm starting to do right now. And I noticed that, you know, while I stepped out, that these topics that were once really fresh, that I was once one of the pioneers in bringing forth about our menstrual cycles, how we live according to lunar cycles, how we align with the seasons of the year, the heroine's journey, our shadow aspects. These are now all part of the zeitgeist. They are now part of you know what I what I was witnessing at the Golden Globes last night of this entrance into mainstream culture where now wellness and consciousness and these feminine principles are in fashion, which was always my motive, which was always my motive in writing about them and teaching about them. And this is a huge, huge win for all of us. This is a huge delight that this is now the ground that we're standing on. And as I've watched this shift happen and have felt into, you know, what is my re-entry into this stream, into this, into this fear, I haven't felt passion for these topics that, you know, I was once so passionate about 20 years ago. They are a part of my life. They're a fabric of who I am. Um, but, you know, I'm always growing and expanding. And that was, you know, those were things that were very alive for me two decades ago when I was a very different person. And just as we as individuals are always growing and expanding, the universe is always expanding. We're in a constant state of evolution. So it feels like what we need right now is the remembrance that we live in a field of infinite possibility. Our senses get accustomed to seeing and experiencing those things that they're used to seeing and experiencing. Whereas there's so much that's happening at any given time that we we're not tuning into. So let me give you an example of this. Some of you may remember the documentary from years ago called What the Bleep Do We Know? And it's really about quantum mechanics, quantum physics, and how that relates to spirituality. This is a topic I'm going to be teaching a lot more about this year, especially in 
uh, the she school and its mastermind component, the she leadership circle. But in this documentary, there is the story, the sharing of the story about when Columbus's ships approached the shores of the Caribbean. And there was a shaman standing on the shore and he was looking out across the horizon and he didn't see anything on the horizon, but he saw ripples on the water and he was standing there, you know, coming back for a few days. Like, why are there ripples on the water? What is that? And he kept looking and he kept looking And finally, he saw that there were actually ships on the horizon. So he didn't see the ships initially because he had never seen a ship before. And because he had never seen it before, it was not something that his brain could conceive of, even though there there were ships there. And by just looking and looking and looking and asking, why are those ripples on the water? He finally saw them. And once he saw them... He called others to come out on the shore and to look. And because they respected this man and because they saw him as a keeper of wisdom, they too could then see the ships. Even though previously no one could see them. So we see this a lot now. You know, we see this in at first we didn't, no one thought that you could send a man to the moon. And now, of course, it happens quite a bit. Uh, it used to think that someone couldn't run a four minute mile. And the minute that the first person ran the four minute mile, many others were able to reach that as well. So once one person does something, suddenly many others can too, because that person taps into a possibility that exists in the quantum field. And when others see that, it changes our perceptions about what we think is possible. The same thing needs to happen now in this field of the divine feminine and for womanhood in general. We have been inhabiting a very narrow sliver of what the divine feminine actually is and what womanhood is. We keep looking to the past to what do we already know about the divine feminine? What do we already know about womanhood? What have we already seen expressed? And then we keep transposing that onto the present. So when we keep transposing the past onto the present and onto the future, then we keep doing the same things and in turn, we keep getting the same results. So as individuals, we know that if we want different results in life, we need to do things we've never done before. If we want an uncommon life, we need to do uncommon things. And we can express this ourselves, you know, in our careers, doing things we've never done before to get unprecedented results. This is something that I'm really interested in. But we can also stretch this out to doing it for a gender, and even doing it for the entire human species. So we can create a future that has never existed before. And many of us, I mean, we're wired to fear uncertainty, 
to run from the unknown when uncertainty actually isn't something to be feel to be feared. It's something to be cultivated and celebrated because within uncertainty is the possibility for anything. And I'm going to be talking more about this topic specifically in a coming episode. So as women, what other possibilities exist for us to do, be, and experience? We've been looking to myths of goddesses from the past and stories about how our ancestors did things. We've been romanticizing our ancestors and trying to bring in their rituals from the past, which is beautiful and wonderful. But what else is possible? What if the woman of the future has never existed before? What if womanhood itself is evolving? What if the concept and expression of woman is expanding and changing, becoming something else that has never existed before in the past or the present, but only exists as possibility within the quantum field? And how can we as women who are evolving into these unprecedented expressions stay awake and receptive and co-creative with the source within us, which I call our she, at the bleeding edge of this evolution? How can we acknowledge that we are God? We are God. We're not a priestess. We're not a yogini. Sure, those are parts of things that we are. But we are God. We we can create anything that we want. And the greatest expression of this creation is ourselves and the lives that we lead. So... There's no limit here. This is about becoming limitless. This is about acknowledging the invincibility of our will, of our innate power to create. We are creators. And the way to create is to go inside and imagine it. Not to go in the past, not to look around in the present. What are other people doing? What's happening now? but to go inside and create it because what is here is already known. We can't get to where we want to go from here. The world right now is in deep need of healing. We all know this and we know that what we're doing isn't healing it. It isn't working. It's time for innovation. It's time for disruption. And that's why this series is called Disrupting the Divine Feminine. You know, I like to look outside of my field for inspiration. And one of the one of the things that I came upon, it's a really hot topic in business. I'm sure you've all heard of it, but it's called disruptive innovation. And I'm borrowing this term and bringing it to this field of the divine feminine. And disruption is a term used in business. It refers to an innovation that creates an entirely new market and eventually disrupts an existing market. And it really took off from a book written by Clayton Christensen in 1997 called The Innovator's Dilemma. And it you know points out that disruption is is about taking a left turn, a sharp left turn by literally uprooting and changing 
how we think and behave and do things and learn things and go about our day to day. And again, it's specifically usually applied to business. So it says that disruption displaces an existing market, industry, technology, or trend and produces something new, more efficient, and worthwhile. It is at once both destructive and creative. Destructive and creative. And is that not what a fire is, right? A fire can both destroy and it can create. It's both destructive and generative. So throughout this podcast series, I'm destroying and breaking down concepts that I've long upheld, that I've written books about, that I've devoted two decades of my career and my life to. And I'm destroying those in service of creating something new. Because again, we can't get to a new future, a new expression of womanhood, a new world from the existing status quo, from the same old, same old. We have to disrupt it and create something new. So to close, I want to offer two brief examples that, you know, I'm going to, this might sound a little contradictory because I was saying just now that we need to look to something that doesn't exist. And I'm referring now to two examples, but I think that these examples are kind of on the fringes. We're not really looking to them, but they are They're kind of pressing themselves out of the field of possibility as new channels for us to tune into. And I'm going to break these down in the future episodes a little bit more. The first one is an old archetype called the Dakini. Uh, Those of you who have been around me before, you know, I'm a little bit obsessed with Dakinis. I love Dakinis. I think they are so freaking awesome. So Dakinis are embodiments of the wild awake feminine in Tibetan Buddhism. And I wrote about Dakinis more in depth in my second book called the book of she, if you want to read more about them. So if there's a quote unquote goddess archetype that we need the most right now as women and as the world, She's the fierce, wise Dakini because it is her wild power that is completely untamed. It's very sexual, very sensual. It's just unbridled. She kind of is like everything happening at once. And it's her wild power that is needed to meet the intensity of the current world situation. So what we're hearing in Oprah's talk, in the Me Too movement, in the Women's March from last January, all of those emanate from a spiritual model based on a 1,000-year-old tradition in Tibetan Buddhism of the Dakinis. Because the Dakini is, is the residence of the empowered feminine. And through her, through contacting her, we can remember 
the essence of our wisdom, vitality, and radiance as women. We can remember our unlimited nature as women that's beyond our bodies, beyond our minds. And she's accessed through meditation. So again, like that portal to really creating what doesn't exist is by going within. We, it doesn't exist outside of us. We can't see it with our, with our external eyes or senses. Can only be it can only be accessed by taking the inner journey. So the second archetype is another one that I'm just madly in love with, Daenerys Targaryen from the Game of Thrones. My I love the Game of Thrones, and I was really bummed to hear that the next season is not coming out in the summer of 2018. It won't be out until 2019. It's a really long time to wait. But one of my favorite things about Game of Thrones, actually, my number one favorite things about Game of Thrones is Daenerys. So Daenerys is the mother of dragons, the breaker of chains, and she is a powerhouse. And I was talking with a friend a little while ago about my love for Daenerys. And he pointed out to me, he said, do you remember season one? And I said, no, not really. And he said, go back and look at season one because Daenerys was not, she did not start out as a powerful woman. And I found that really intriguing and also really inspiring uh, because in recent seasons, it's easy to see her as really as an emanation of the divine, like what, I, what I've been talking about here. She's noble, she's sensual, she's beautiful, she's strong, she's fierce, she's fair. She just, she seems to be omnipotent. But she wasn't always this way. No great woman ever is. Like Oprah, Oprah started out on the linoleum floor and her mother in the kitchen and her mother as a domestic worker. We grow into our greatness through a series of initiations, through the ruthless conviction to be ourselves, to be the master of our own fates, to be the creators of our own destinies. So when we go back to you know the early seasons of Game of Thrones, we see that Daenerys started out very disempowered, meek even. Her brother married her off to a powerful man. And Daenerys feared her husband. She was actually, you know, he actually raped her from behind on their wedding night. And Daenerys, you know, she was scared. And her handmaidens encouraged her that things would get easier. And they started to teach her how to please her husband sexually, how to get him to respect her and to treat her well. Because through that, it would lift her up in the community. And so... You know, Daenerys really took that on and she struggled to learn and to adapt. And it was, it was one of those cases of fake it till you make it. And as she does that, as she starts to practice, greatness takes consistent practice. Daenerys starts to grow into her power and authority. And we start to see, you know, the seeds of who she will become when she witnesses slaves being beaten and 
She orders the persecutors to stop. And another thing about Daenerys is that she was gifted three petrified dragon eggs as a wedding gift. And these, you know, these dragon eggs, they, there's, they were said to be something from the past that dragons aren't something that, that live in the world now, but Daenerys kept nurturing them and she kept, she kept them close to her. And in, in the process of keeping these three dragon eggs close to her, she actually became pregnant and she had also grown to love her husband and her son, their son was, was born dead. He was a stillborn. And her husband also ended up dying and it, to, you know, to ease a more, um, a more compassionate death, Daenerys actually had to smother him with a pillow to end his suffering. And it was said that, you know, because she married this powerful man, she was known as a Khaleesi, which is a kind of queen, that the rest of her life was to be spent retired with the crones. But she rejected that. So again, we see her growing into her greatness. And she prepared a funeral pyre for her husband and placed the dragon eggs on the pyre. And Daenerys gave a speech to her people. They were her people now because her husband has, had died. That you know, her husband was dead. And if they wanted, they could go. They were free to go. But if they stayed with her, she would lead them to them to a to a, glo- to a glor- glorious destiny. And even though everyone outside of her was pleading her not to do it, was saying you know was saying that this would be impossible. Daenerys set the funeral pyre on fire and calmly walked into the flames. And she stands in the flames. It looks as if they're going to consume her and that she's committing suicide. But as the night passes and with the dawn, the fire has pretty much extinguished. It's pretty much ash. And... Daenerys is revealed crouching naked, completely unharmed, with three newly hatched baby dragons. One is nuzzling in her arms, another is climbing on her leg, a third sits on her shoulder. And at the sight of these mythical dragons, she is named the Mother of Dragons. And she names the strongest of the three dragons Drogon in honor of her husband, who was called Drogo. So this is a powerful, powerful story of a woman who lost everything. She went through incredible grief and hardship, having a stillborn child, having her husband die, being, you know, starting off being betrothed by a brother who was not a kind brother, um, having to learn the ropes of how to survive. But she believed in herself and she believed in magic. And dragons are 
both in the lore of Game of Thrones and for all of us, they're believed to be intrinsically tied to magic. So dragons have the significance of symbolizing the rebirth of magic in a world that's deprived of it. And that this woman, Daenerys, because she was willing to lose everything and to believe in magic, to have faith in what couldn't be seen, but in what could be possible, who is willing to die to her old self in order to step into the unknown, become a new possibility for leadership, for womanhood, for humanity. She triumphed. So for all of us to birth our truth, we have to endure the labor pains. To become who we are, we have to get out of our own way. We can't be meek and quiet. We have to be big and bold. We have to get solid and sure of what we know in our hearts, no matter what anyone is saying outside of us. And in the story of Daenerys and also in my life in these past couple of years, I'm reminded of what Brad Pitt said in the Fight Club. He said, it's only after we've lost everything that we're free to do anything. This is your life. This is your life. This is your life. So this is your life. Who are you going to be? Are you going to start trusting yourself? Are you going to keep playing tame or step into this field of infinite possibility where the feminine is asking us to be wild, to be free, to be unpredictable to trust our inner instinct, to be more real than anything outside of ourselves, to stand in the fire and know that it will not burn you up, but that it is the fuel to transform you. So the people who avoid the fires will never live life on fire. We need to step into the fire and rebuild our lives on truth, on fierce fiery faith. So the landscape of the divine feminine has gotten too soft, too predictable, too meek. We need to grow and learn through friction. Our souls want us to evolve. Our souls want to disrupt us. Our souls want to disrupt what we think is possible as women. And we need to step into and embrace this new aliveness to meet the precariousness of the world as it is revealing itself to us right now. So there is a real sense of something bigger cracking open like those dragon eggs cracking open in the fire. And I invite you to be part of this process to come along with me. It's a process of emergence. Emergence is a phenomenon in nature, like we see when geese take flight in a flock together. There's, there's not one leader. We're all, they're all moving together as one entity. So through this dark night of the soul that I've been through these past couple of years, and I've had numerous dark nights of the soul, I'm not a stranger to them. I couldn't find anyone who was doing what 
I needed to do. I even separated from my spiritual teacher that I've had for 15 years that I was so devoted to because I knew I had to trust in the unknown and rely on myself, rely on the source within me. And I know that when we're willing to do that, when we're willing to rely on that source, on that flame within ourselves, that we know we're at our best. So this is about us not just sitting around the fire, but standing around the fire. This is me midwifing a new Sarah. This is us midwifing a new womanhood. And my offering of this is me doing the work out loud. I'm here to shift my life for me and then to share it with you. So remember, greatness is not getting it right every time. It's about falling and being willing to get back up. It's a like Daenerys, you know, stepping into the fire and being willing to be burned from her past to become who she was meant to be, a possibility that no one could see but herself. So I'm honored and privileged to continue this journey with you into the unknown, into this new frontier of the empowered feminine. And it is my commitment to have the greatest year together that we have ever had. Thank you for carving out this time for yourself. If you're longing to live these teachings in your daily life, come on over to The She School at theshe-school.com. You'll get to read about our nine-month curriculum and how we structure the course through monthly classes and Q&As with me, she yoga and meditation videos, guest teacher interviews, and so much more. But remember, registration is only open once a year, which is right now. And our nine-month journey starts on February 1st. It will be an honor to support you in stepping into your strength wisdom, and greatness in the year ahead. And if you enjoyed this talk, I and the women in your world who need it would be so grateful if you shared it with them. And better yet, if you leave us a review on iTunes. Until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support. Thank you so much for being part of our sisterhood.